Good morning, everybody. Let me hear it from you. Good morning, Tim. Man, that sounds good. I have missed you guys. Uh, so uh, it's been a few weeks since I've been up here, but you have been blessed to hear Dennis Crehan and Lance Pippen and last week Matthew Pinnell. Uh, I just want to say a special thanks to those guys. It feels great to be able to be gone and to know that you're hearing great messages from godly men. Amen? Uh, so make sure that you... Let those guys know how much you appreciate them. I do the same thing. They have stepped up for us big time. Now, when I was a student at MACU, as we have uh, seen the presentation from the president today, we had a group called the Masters 12. I don't think they have that anymore. But uh, here's a picture of my senior year, Masters 12. Weren't they young-looking, crazy people? Can you pick out of the lineup which one is me? Can you, can you, oh, is it that obvious? Okay, yeah. The one over here with the big glasses and the scraggly beard, uh, that, that was me. Beard hadn't changed much except for it's a little lighter, I think. But uh, uh, this group would go around, uh, do a musical and narrated presentation of the gospel, and we would travel around the East Coast to different places. Now, growing up, I never imagined that one day I would do something like that. I mean, I grew up in a husky, and, you know, uh, I, I never sang publicly, uh, really, except for in church when everybody was singing. Um, and I never really thought of myself as a singer. I also never really acted in front of anyone, except for maybe when I was acting out uh, for my mother. Uh, some of you are probably thinking that they must have been scraping the bottom of the barrel when they picked me to be on that team. And you know, you're right. Uh, they, they probably were. Everybody else was in something else. Um, I certainly wasn't the best singer. I wasn't the best actor. Memorization was never a big strong point for me. But I did my best. And that director saw something that she felt could be useful to the team. It was a great experience and it gave me a lot more confidence. And it also helped me prepare for my future. Even what I do today, a part of that as a result of that experience. And I'm grateful for that director because she chose me. That, that was the thing. You had to be chosen to be on that group. Now today, we're going to be talking about being chosen. If you have been chosen for something... Maybe other than bathroom duty, you know what I'm saying. But it probably felt great for someone to choose you. Maybe it was a team, like an all-star team. Or maybe it was a, a role that you wanted to play in the school drama. Possibly it was when your spouse chose you and said, I do. Maybe that's a big moment for you. But there are any number of ways that we can be chosen. And the reality is this, friends. <clears throat> God chooses people to use for His kingdom's purposes. Oftentimes, the people He chooses can be considered in culture as outcasts, forgotten about, not wanted, the leftovers. You can go on and on. Maybe you got other names for folks like that folks like me, folks like you, which means no matter where you find yourself or how you view yourself, 
Listen, God wants you. He chooses you. Isn't that just an incredible thought? You, you know, you know you better than anybody else. Am I right about that? Maybe, maybe your spouse knows you or maybe people that are around you all the time know you, but you know even your inner thoughts that nobody else really knows. I know me better than anyone does. And with that knowledge, we know that we are not worthy. We know that we're not good enough. We know that only by a miracle could we be chosen. And yet scripture is clear. God chose you. God chose me. So today we are in week two of our series called Chameleon. And it's all about standing out rather than fitting in. And last week, I thought Matthew Pinnell, let's give Matthew a hand. Thank you, Matthew. I don't know where he is today. Where are you, Matthew? Back up, back over there in the corner. You know, when he's preaching, uh, you have to look a lot higher up in the air than when I'm here. So I know you're glad I'm here so you don't have to look so far. <laughs> but love Matthew. But he did a great job of showing us the difference between conforming to the world around us and being transformed as God defines being transformed. And once we choose to be transformed by God, we can then allow God to use us for His purposes, uh, for higher purposes, which is our topic for today. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to 1 Peter chapter 2. We're going to be going there in just a moment. It will be up on the screen behind me. But we're going to be focusing on this passage for the rest of the time together. And here's the big idea for our message today. God has chosen you for a purpose even though he knows everything about you. Think about that. God has still chosen you even though you and I are not worthy. And we need to know who we are so that we can be all that God calls us to be. As followers of Christ, we have been chosen by God the God of the universe, the creator, as his prized possession. We are chosen, we are set apart through Christ, our Savior. And this all happened for a specific purpose, which is to allow us to proclaim the goodness of God to those who are still finding themselves in the darkness. And if you doubt this, let's read this passage together. 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds 
and glorify God on the day he visits us. Let's pray. Father, help us to recognize that we are chosen for a purpose. We aren't better than anyone else. We have our weaknesses. We have our faults. But you still want to use us for your kingdom's purposes. Open our ears and our hearts just now as we consider your word. Help us to respond as your spirit leads us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey friends, let's consider the significance of what Peter just said. And in order to do that, we have to understand the context in which he is writing. When Peter wrote this letter, he did so to a group of Christians who were scattered throughout the northern part of Asia Minor. These Christians were aliens. No, not aliens from outer space. They were foreigners in a land that they did not grow up in. They found themselves in this place, and many of them were facing all kinds of trials and suffering. Therefore, Peter was seeking to encourage them in their faith. And within the passage we just read, we see three things in particular that Peter is trying to do. First of all, to remind. Second of all, to challenge. And third, to strengthen. And if we can receive these things for ourselves today, we will understand the significance of God choosing us. We will be spurred on to achieve greater things in our walk with Christ than ever before. So let's think about the first thing. Let God remind you of your past and your present. Now, a lot of us want to forget our past, right? The past is painful. We don't want to bring it up. But sometimes we need to be reminded of where we have come from and where God has brought us to. In verse 10, Peter clearly reminded them of who they once were. He said, once you were not a people. He said, once you had not received mercy. You get the idea that he was telling them that at one time they had not belonged to God. They were like orphans without a home. He was simply trying to remind them of the past before they came into relationship with Christ. But in the process of reminding them of the past, he also reminded them of the present. Where has God brought you to? Now you are a people right? Now you have received mercy. He also said, you are now a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's very own special possession. Now they're the people of God. Now they have received his mercy. Now the key phrase to sum all of that Peter is trying to remind these Christians of is the final thing he says there, that they are God's very own possession. I want us just to pause for a moment and think about that. I want you, wherever you're sitting, 
Now, if I tell you to close your eyes, I'm going to also come back and say, open those eyes. This isn't an opportunity to sleep, uh, but it is an opportunity to ponder. Just think for a moment about that phrase, you are God's very own possession. Think about it. What a special thought. You may not feel like you belong anywhere else. You may feel like you're rejected in many places. But to God, you are his possession. In Jeremiah 32, verses 38 and 40, uh, we read, They will be my people and I will be their God. I will give them singleness of heart and action so that they will always fear me and that all will then go well for them and for their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them. I will never stop doing good to them and I will inspire them to fear me so that they will never turn away from me. You see, this is the promise that God made to his people all the way back in the Old Testament before Jesus ever arrived on the scene. And that promise still stood when Peter wrote the words we've read today in 1 Peter. Jesus made a way for all people to have access to God, not just one family of people but all people. You see, when God chose us, it did not just mean that, he, that we are His people, but it also means that God is our God. And if you look closely enough throughout the Bible, there seems to be a trend. Frequently, for God to take you where He wants you to be, He often has to remind you of His faithfulness in the past. Peter is doing the exact same thing here. He's saying, this is just a paraphrase, hey, I know it's tough. I know there is suffering. I know you've been persecuted. I know that you are struggling in many different ways. You're probably on the brink of giving up. But I need to remind you, God chose you. Not so that he could leave you, but so that he could use you. Friends, what are you going through today? What is it that discourages you? Do you feel like you are unworthy, an outcast, useless, hopeless? That maybe your past is so bad that God would never use you. Listen. God has not given up on you. God has a purpose for you. He chose you. God doesn't choose you unless He plans to use you. Think about that. Maybe you don't see the plan because you've been so focused on yourself. Maybe so focused on your mistakes. Maybe so focused on your past. 
Maybe so focused on your weaknesses. Maybe so focused on your failures. I think part of what Peter was trying to do is to get his readers to focus on God and His purpose for them rather than their feelings and their circumstances. So friend, let God remind you of your past and your present. Secondly, accept the challenge. I believe Peter sets this out in the passage. This is a challenge to these scattered Christians. First, he challenged them to make their praises known to the world. In verse 9, as you look at that, he says that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness and into His wonderful light. Now, what does that mean? I believe it means that as they recognize that God had brought them from some pretty bad situations and He had brought them to all of these blessings in their life, that the natural reaction is to give God praise. Would you agree with that? When when something good happens to you, doesn't it make you feel like giving God praise? Now, do you understand that behind closed doors and you're praising God, no one is going to hear you? Do you... Praise God in secret so that no one will know. (laughs) Absolutely not. We are to praise God from the rooftops. We go up to the mountains. We speak through the mics. We shout it out. (coughs) We let the whole world know what God has done. In Psalm 148, Listen to this. This is speaking about you and me and every human being. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights above. Praise Him all His angels. Praise Him all His heavenly hosts. Praise Him sun and moon. Praise Him all you shining stars. Praise Him you highest heavens and you waters above the skies. Let them praise the name of the Lord. For at His command, they were created. And He established them forever and ever. He issued a decree that will never pass away. Praise the Lord from the earth. You great sea creatures and all ocean depths, lightning and hail, snow and clouds, stormy winds that do His bidding, you mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, small creatures and flying birds, kings of the earth and all nations, you princes and all rulers on earth, young men and women, Old men and children, let them praise the name of the Lord. 
For His name alone is exalted. His splendor is above the earth and the heavens. And He has raised up for His people a horn, the praise of all His faithful servants of Israel, the people close to His heart. Praise the Lord. Now friends, you're going to have an opportunity to obey God right now. I want you to stand up. Michael Pittman's going to come out here and he's going to lead us in a song. It's shout to the Lord and this song is perfect for us today because this is going to, you know, help us to live out what that psalm just told us to do. Michael, it's all yours, brother. Works through that. <laughs> I want to say this. We should be declaring the praise of God every day, right? When you wake up in the morning, you should be praising God. When you go to bed at night, you should be praising God. And right now... In just a moment. In just a moment. <laughs> we will be praising God together. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. It's these backup piano players. <laughs> I think we'll be fine. That sounds all right. I can hear it. Can you hear it? Okay. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your Let 
never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound. I sing for joy at the works of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have. Oh, nothing compares to the promise I have. Oh, nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Thank you for declaring God's praise. Now, friends, it doesn't need to be in this place alone. We need to carry that with us every day, wherever we go, giving God praise. This is what you and I were created to do. Now, the second part of that challenge is to be a light that draws people to Jesus. Peter just finished reminding his readers that God chose them and he goes on to tell them to live such good lives among the pagans, that's people who don't believe in God, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. A church, a lot of us tend to receive God's blessings in our lives, convinced that they are only for us. And we think that we can keep them all to ourselves. Thank you, Lord, for blessing me. We think, wow, look at all that God has given me. And we praise Him in silence. But there's another purpose of God's blessings in our life. He wants us to publicly Proclaim our faith through our actions. The psalmist said in Psalm 67, 1 through 2, May God be gracious to us and bless us and cause His face to shine upon us that your ways, he's speaking of God's ways, may be known where? On earth. Your salvation among who? We ask for His blessing and grace so that we might make His salvation known to all the earth. It's never just about us. And our passage from Peter also speaks about the concept of advancing the kingdom of heaven oftentimes by simply living a righteous lifestyle. The choice God made to choose us was ultimately to bring glory to Himself. So believe me when I say that the way we live is so important because, friends, the truth is 
people are always watching. If you call yourself a Christian, people are going to be watching. If you're in school and kids know you're a Christian, they're going to be watching to see if you really are. If you go to work and people in the office or people in that workplace know that you call yourself a Christian, they're going to be watching. They're going to be listening. The way we live our lives is one of the loudest testimonies we will ever share with others. Bob Russell is my favorite preacher, but he used to preach at a megachurch, Southeast Christian Church out in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, and uh, he has gone on. He's retired since then. But he once told a group that I was a part of that uh, a man had come to him following one of his sermons on a Sunday morning. And the man told him this. He said, I listened to you on the radio, and I liked your sermons. And I found out where you live, and I drove by. You see, if you had lived in a luxurious mansion, I would not have come to this church. But once I saw you lived in a normal house, I decided to come check you out. People are watching. Somebody else told him that they had followed him up some stairs, and he had a hole in his sock. And they said, oh, you're just like us. <laughs> Bob has been so effective, I believe, because Bob is a humble man of God. And he may have preached at a megachurch, but he never has forgotten who he is and why God has put him here. But that man was watching him. And many other people were watching him. And friends, people are watching us, looking to see if we are hypocrites. Or if we're honest. Now the truth is we can't be perfect people. But there's also this truth. If you live for God, you will be a shining light in your community. And people will see it. St. Francis of Assisi is quoted as saying this. Preach the gospel at all times and when necessary use words. Our deeds and works are preaching on our behalf even when we aren't saying anything. Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't say anything, but it means that our actions and our words need to be together. Peter was addressing a group of believers who were being watched all the time. They were aliens. They were foreigners. Everybody was looking at them you know, with you know, skewed eyes. People were intrigued by their message and therefore they wanted to see how they were living. And then Peter threw out a challenge to use this for the kingdom's advantage. And I believe the same challenge applies to us today. So who is watching you? I wonder who is watching me. Who is watching the way we live, the way we speak, the way we spend our time? And the way we treat other people. When you're at a restaurant this afternoon, will you treat that waiter or waitress with respect? Or will you be mean-spirited and hateful in your responses? Even if the service is bad, friends, that doesn't give us the right to treat people badly. Who is watching? They may be interested in what we believe, that makes us act the way we act. 
But on the other hand, if we act like everyone else, if we become the chameleon and we're just trying to fit in with everybody in the world, if we conform to the pattern of this world, why would they listen to a thing we have to say? Friends, observe your own lives. Look in the mirror of God's Word. Are you any different than anyone else in your neighborhood? Are you declaring God's glory? If they were to look or listen to your prayer life, what would they believe about you? Are you living the life that the Spirit of God is calling you to live? When people observe your life, what do they see? Do they see the fruit of the Spirit or the fruit of the world? Do they see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness? Or are they seeing anger and hatred and bitterness and prejudice? What are they seeing? This is the amazing privilege that we have as God's chosen people to show the world around us what Christ looks like. The light that overcomes the darkness. And this leads to the final thing. Peter does in this passage for us. He encourages the people of God. And this is what I want to close on that we need to allow God to encourage us we all need encouragement don't we anybody here need some encouragement I don't know what's happening in your life but I can guarantee you that in every person that's here today they got something where you need some encouragement within that word <coughs> excuse me Within that word, encouragement, we see a word, courage, right? And that courage means the ability to face danger and deal with it. It doesn't mean we don't have fear, but it means that we do what we have to do in the face of that fear. To encourage, then, is to help develop that ability in someone. While the meant part of the word at the end makes the development into a noun the act of giving courage or support to one another God is helping us to have the courage to declare his name and live according to the spirit Peter says he called you out of the darkness and into his light. Peter once again takes us down memory lane to the time in our lives when we were stuck living in some dark places. Chances are, because we're all human, and we have all experienced what it feels like firsthand to live in that darkness. One of the most striking biblical examples of God's mercy and grace over a person's life is found in the transformation of Saul the Pharisee to Paul the Apostle. Now Saul was present during the stoning of one of Jesus' followers named Stephen. And Saul was hunting down Christians from house to house, wanting to throw them in jail. 
And God intervened literally as Saul was traveling from one place of persecution to another. And his story picks up in Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Can you imagine? (laughs) Saul's trying to persecute anybody that follows Jesus. He doesn't believe in Jesus, and now Jesus is talking to him. I mean, that would be stunning. Quite a scene. As even those present with Saul were speechless. Saul was walking in darkness, and the light of Christ met him in the midst of that journey. God not only had mercy on Saul, but he loved the Gentile nations so much that he chose Saul to be their appointed apostle and bearer of the gospel. Saul deserved death, but through Christ he received life. And he traded the rest of his earthly life to serve Christ. Now that is the kind of thing God can do with any and all of us. This is the kind of kingdom transformation Peter was encouraging in his letter. He challenged his original readers to remember who and whose they were. He challenged them to step into their calling and represent Christ to others around them, both in their words and in their actions. We are not saved by our good works, but we are saved to good works. The bottom line, encouragement for all of us is this. God can use any of us. He can redeem any life and bring all the lost sheep home. If God can turn a soul into a Paul, then just imagine what he can do in your life. Peter made it clear, God does not simply choose us strictly for our benefit, but ultimately for the benefit of others around us. Maybe we've been keeping the seed of salvation all to ourselves. We're not wanting people to know just trying to fit in. We don't want to offend. We don't want to make people look at us weird. We just, we just want to be accepted by everybody. But friends, maybe it's time to expand our comfort zones a bit and share the good news of redemption with others. The truth is there are people in your daily life, maybe even in your inner circle that do not know there is a God who loves them and would choose to use them for a higher purpose than anything the world could possibly offer them. They are watching you as you walk your path of faith. They are observing your responses, your reactions to suffering and adversity, your joy, peace, patience, and kindness. Let your life preach such a powerful message that those close to you have no other option but to praise the God of heaven. 
Who comes to mind when you think of those close to you? Who do you think might need to hear the good news of Christ? What can you do this week in a word or in deed to proclaim the good news to those around you? Friends, as you consider this challenge, remember, you are chosen and redeemed. You are an ambassador of Christ, a messenger of the greatest news the universe has ever known. And the same God who raised Christ from the dead will raise you up in your time of need. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Father, we come to you thankful that we don't have to fit into this world. We don't have to be chameleons. We don't have to act like everybody else around us because your spirit dwells in us. Father, you give us the strength and the courage to stand up in faith. Father, help us to uh, accept this message that we are chosen, not because of our goodness, not because we are perfect or that we deserve it, but because of your great mercy and grace, your great love. You loved us even though we're not perfect. You love us with all of our scars, with all of our failures, with all of our weaknesses. And you choose us to do something better in our life than anything the world can call us to do. So, Father, help us to take that encouragement and to live our life in such a way that people will see it and be drawn to it and that through us, they might know Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.